0: Well, and welcome back to another episode of the Full Tank with Phil Podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we've got some recapping to do about Darlington the southern 500 is in the rear view and we're going to take a look back at the first race of the NASCAR playoffs for 2023 and talk about the ups and the downs we had for the betting card and then we will move to race number two of three in the first round of the NASCAR playoffs and it's Kansas so we'll talk about some stats that we can get into here good amount of data to pull from and it's really about you know what do you care about most. There's so much stuff that we can look at, so we're going to do that before we, you know, get into some of our picks. And this week, talking about the different picks that I'm calling out, sometimes I like to have things, you know, nice and neat, segmented, you know, outrights and finishing positions. Not this week. We're just ripping and running. We're just going through some of the drivers and talking about different ways that we could potentially make money on them. And then we'll round things out with a different type of bet that's available according to the app that i use we'll talk about what app that is and uh how we can potentially make some money on that new bet and then just a little bit of playoff talk at the end of the episode so good amount of stuff here we'll see if we can get through it in a, a good amount of time try to keep this under one hour no guests this week flying solo again and uh Hopefully, I'm not rambling too long here. So let's talk about one thing first before we get into Darlington, and that's just I want to give a shout-out to our guy, Derek Yoder. If you didn't follow him on Twitter uh, last week or see what he was doing via Twitter, he had a 10-hour live stream event on Saturday to kick off week one college football. He was covering the NASCAR qualifying and practice Uh, The Xfinity race went all through the night to midnight Saturday night. I happened to have a chance to jump on with him. I was first guest on. I think he started around 2 o'clock. I joined him uh, a few minutes into that and was hanging out there for a good bit. And Derek, I mean, just what a showman. Put so much effort into it. He had a ton of different guests on throughout the whole stream. And it was fun to watch. Uh, I had Derek up through the night on one tv while i was watching you know college football on another and um just a a great effort there from derek and this was all to uh raise awareness about the discord that he's starting for the nascar betting preview show and uh just give that a look because just a awesome thing to see derek doing that seeing that come together and some good content a lot of good stuff being thrown out there i was on there for like I don't know, 45 minutes, he, he threw two bets at me for the Xfinity race with Austin Hill and boom, boom, they both hit, so I made a good chunk of money there to cover some of my college football losses, so that was nice, uh, so yeah, it's just a bunch of good stuff there, needed a shout out, Derek, for all he's doing in that space, and if you haven't already, give it a look, join it, I like chatting in there, he's got a nice little section for the Full Tank Phil podcast, which is really nice of him, the podcast uploads automatically, There's a spot for me to throw in some of the betting cards that we have, so just give that a look. I know there's a a lot of different discords out there, but uh, just from what he did last week, it was just uh, really commendable. So awesome stuff there from Derek. Now let's talk about Darlington, another night race heading into Labor Day. It was a Sunday night, and I'll say this, uh, from a betting standpoint, we could have had a better night. I had a fun night, I just want to say that. Just a, a good night, got pretty hammered, and uh, had to kind of look back on some of the things. I was trying to, like, write some notes down on my phone, but uh, some of it didn't really turn out that well. So, uh, yeah, didn't didn't do all that well. Uh, we had some hits, some misses, but I'll say this. I mean, we had Hamlin plus 750, and, and that was... Um, Tough to swallow because he was a really strong race car. You know, they had the the trouble on pit road and um, just, uh, you know, wasted. Then they ended up having a a bit of a wreck in the end. So plus 750, that number looked good. He was a really strong car and tough to swallow. Then I, I think to me, the toughest one to swallow, I mean, I was about to throw stuff for the television. The Harvick top five bet that we had out there, plus 250. I mean, there couldn't be. Worse luck than that for the gamblers out there and for Harvick. Uh, So just to kind of recount this, he is committed to pit road as one of the cars is spinning. I believe it was Ryan Newman. I mean, it's just like, God damn it. You know, good for Ryan Newman for getting out there. But at the same time, like, what the hell? Uh, And the yellow light came on just a split second, a hair before Harvick. Uh, went down pit road, and because he was committed, because he went down pit road under caution, he was penalized for that. Brutal. I mean, just absolutely brutal. He was winning the race, I believe. Uh, He was in the top two or three when that was going on. So, just devastating. It ruined his race. It ruined my night, essentially, because that was a, a bet that I was really happy about. And then that went down. So... Uh, brutal there. Then uh, a couple other of the bets that we threw out there. We had an ad for Michael McDowell for a top 10. That was out of the running very early. Christopher Bell added him 6-1, to one, and he got caught up into some stuff there, so that was brutal. We called out Chastain on the podcast 10-1. to one. We liked that number, double digits for Chastain. That was the mindset we had going in. He just had a terrible start to the weekend. Ends up finishing fifth, so that's good for him for what he's got going on, but still, uh, they didn't unload fast, had a bad qualifying effort, and so then they had to fight through that whole race to get to that top five, so that 10-to-1 number really didn't feel like it was going to come to fruition. Brad, kind of a different sense. Uh, he's pretty consistent. Qualified six, finished six, so good stuff there by Brad, but was never really in contention to win the race. We had him 16-to-1 to win the race, so that didn't pan out either. Um, so the hits that we had, we went two to one in the head to head section, Bowman over Suarez, my goodness, what a situation that was as they were like blocking, uh, or Bowman was blocking Suarez and they were kind of getting into it with each other there and they both end up wrecking each other. And luckily for me and anyone that was tailing the pod last week, Bowman finishes one spot ahead of Suarez in the race. So we cash that bet. Not the way we thought it was going to go down, but hey, we'll take him. And then the other one was Stenhouse over McDowell. We talked about this on the podcast, and the reason we liked this was because Stenhouse was minus 110 at the time. And the point that I was trying to make was how well he qualifies. And he did not qualify well at all, uh, to the point where McDowell, putting himself in the top 10 to start the race... Caesars didn't even open this bet back up, from what I could tell. It was just locked because of how big of a favorite McDowell would have been if they had unleashed it. And sure enough, McDowell. I mean, I think I put it out on my on the betting card that I put out on Instagram. Had a sad face next to it because I did not like where we were coming into the race. But I was already committed to it. I already had the bet in at minus one ten because I thought that Stenhouse would end up being the favorite. But then, hey. You know, gambling gods giveth, they taketh away, and McDowell ends up getting into some trouble early, like we called out, and Senhouse wins that matchup. So two and one by the, you know, hair the chinny-chin-chin there. We'll take it. The other one, the one loss we had in the head-to-head was just mind-boggling. I mean, Eric Jones over Gibbs. What the fuck? I really don't understand it went on a huge tirade about Eric Jones and how I'm sick and tired of getting caught up in his mess with the stats, how it looks like he's going to be good and he hasn't been good. And now I just have to throw my hands up and say, okay, Darlington, it's a blind Eric Jones bet top 10 every single time. doesn't matter how he's doing at all. Just blind bet because where the hell did he come from? Jones, shocking to me. I mean, really shocking. Meanwhile, Gibbs did exactly what we he was going to do. He was running mid-teens, ends up finishing, you know, just outside the top 20, 21st, I think, which not great. But for the race, I mean, he was really running where we thought he would run. It was Jones. I mean, this bet really never had a chance because Jones was just good. It was wild, just truly wild uh, to see that go down. So I was just like beside myself. Now, a couple of the bets that did hit, Bubba Wallace. Talked about him. We smashed it. Top 10, it hit, gotta love that. I mean, that's one of those where we saw it coming from a mile away, and it came to fruition, so you, you pat yourself on the back for that one. Then Chris Buescher, top 10, we got that one after practice and qualifying, uh, we hit that up, it was minus 110, and it was a wham-bam, thank you, ma'am. Chris Busher. I mean, what is going on? He is just the hottest driver in the garage right now, finishing third in the Southern 500, just absolutely wild. Uh, Larson ends up winning the race. You didn't even mention that yet. And the only thing we had on Larson was a a couple parlays. We had him over Truex. He was a pretty heavy favorite over Truex. So we threw him in a couple parlays. We were right about Truex, by the way, uh, saying he was a a favorite to start the week and did not trust him for the reasons that we saw. Didn't practice well, didn't qualify well and finishes 18th. So that's exactly what we thought he would do. And it worked out. So, um, Larson beating him in a head to head was pretty obvious. The books were on it as well. So, uh, looking back at it though, I mean, you know, Larson won the race. It's like, yeah, with 2020 hindsight, no shit. Uh, kind of feels stupid to not take him, but his number was just too low for, you know, how he practiced, how he qualified. He started like 18th or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, he was getting like six to one after that qualifying effort. It was just like, what? I don't know about that. But of course, he goes out and Larson wins one of these long races. It makes sense. So, makes me feel a little dumb. But, Overall, Southern 500, we had some good, some bad, had a lot of fun watching the race, and we will move on. So uh, a good Southern 500, and we thank Darlington for the events that they gave us in 2023 season because it was good stuff. So now we look ahead, right? We, we pick ourselves up. We get back to some cookie-cutter racing, and we're moving to Kansas. Now, this is the second time that NASCAR has been here this year, just like Darlington. The funny thing is... Looking back on it, this was these two races were right next to each other to start the year in the spring, but they were foot flopped. We saw uh, Kansas first, then Darlington. Now we're at Darlington first, then Kansas. So kind of uh, funny here, but this is typically it, it's been a successful racetrack for gamblers out there. I mean, definitely on this podcast and. Uh, I think that's because of the more predictable nature to it, being able to read through the stats, find the data, and and smash it. And so I hope that we can do that again this time around. I mean, we had Hamlin plus 750 in this race in the springtime, So, or excuse me, plus 850. And as we'll get to the recap here in just a second, I mean, that hit. So this is a, a track that we can... Make some money on. So I'm excited about the prospects here. Let's take a look at the track stats for Kansas. There's been 35 races in the Cup Series here. The winner has started on the poll eight times in the history of the track. The last time it happened was Kyle Larson in 2021. And that's an interesting tidbit there because when we get into the manufacturer trends. But uh yeah, eight times out of 35 winners start on the poll. Top five, the winner has started there just under 50%. So 48% of the time starting in the top five, and then 70% they start in the top ten. So pretty important. And then the winner, starting from outside the top 20, it's only happened three times in the history. The track, Hamlin in 2019, was the last time that happened. Now, manufacturer trends, I mentioned it a second ago. Chevy, not really that much going on here, but the one they've had recently was Larson on the pole. So I think if we see a Chevy win the pole, that's a head nerd, head turner. You know, we want to take a look at that. But Toyota has dominated this place, as you're going to hear all week from any content you absorb about NASCAR this week, whether it's a gambling podcast or anything else. Toyota has had this place figured out. Six of the last eight races have been won by Toyota. And then Ford is working on an 0 for 5 streak. It's been a few years since Ford's been in victory lane here. So definitely something to keep in mind with the way you structure your card here so like I said the race in the springtime definitely something that we can look to Hamlin was your winner but let's give a little bit of a recap here because there were some interesting parts of this race here and Kyle Larson was involved in a few of them and lap six Chastain gets into Larson and spins him out and that started if you remember what went down at Darlington The week after, we talked about it last week on the podcast, the little bit of a rivalry because at the end of the Darlington race in the springtime, Larson got into Chastain. So it was kind of payback for what went down here with Chastain getting out of whack and taking – being way too aggressive and taking uh, Larson – out of it here on the lap six, but he wasn't out of it all the way. Uh, Now, the other thing that we saw was some strategy playing out at the end of stage two. We saw some drivers and some teams trying to stay out on old tires, see if they can make it work. The stage really never got a chance to get going. It ended under caution. So we never got to see how that really would have played out uh, because Kyle Busch went for a spin and ended that stage. But the guys on old tires, you know, they ended up getting stage points. So there will be a strategy element to this. That is for sure. Uh, Hamlin, Ends up chasing down Larson at the end of this race. And if you remember, this triggered some controversy. It triggered some views on the Action's Detrimental podcast as he gets to him in the final turn there. And just a tiny little touch, maybe not even a touch at all, sends Larson into the wall. And Denny just runs away for the checkered flag. So uh, I was happy about it because we had him at plus 850. But it definitely triggered a lot of conversation that week. and. Um, yeah, so I think Larson still isn't very happy with Denny, uh, since then. So Mm -hmm. some crazy stuff going down at Kansas in the first time around, but I think, you know, we say that, right. Some crazy stuff, but it's not exactly crazy in the way that, you know, gamblers are thinking of this. It kind of worked out to what we thought, right? I mean, Hamlin, Larson, Chastain, uh, those are the guys that were up front in this race, and there was no real shockers. So I, I think we can expect more of the same this time around, right? The guys who have qualified well, they're going to be the ones that are controlling this race. There are going to be some strategy element to this, but for the most part, it's going to you know, be the big dogs eating here. And the, this racetrack, you know, clean air is huge. We're going to see guys, uh, what makes it fun to watch is, people going four wide, trying to find air and trying to drive where the other guys aren't. So that's what makes this interesting. Now looking at some of the data that we can pull from here, you can look at the last 10 races at Kansas. Uh, That'll help you a little bit, but I am really actually focusing on the last three since the next gen car started. So the last three races um, since the start of the 2022 season, that's a important thing that I'm looking at this time around. Then comp tracks so the direct comps according to iFantasyRace Las Vegas and Michigan Kansas is labeled a mini Michigan from Ryan over there at iFantasyRace so we'll take that into consideration so if you're looking at those three tracks we get eight comps in the next gen car so that's the start of the 2022 season so when you hear me say the last eight comp tracks that's what I'm talking about then in 2023 this season, what do we have to work off of this year? Because this year obviously has been different for certain drivers. So then we can extend it out to some of the secondary comps. So we still have Michigan, we still have Vegas, we still have Kansas, obviously, but we're going to extend it to Auto Club in Charlotte as well. So that gets us five comp tracks in 2023 to work off of. So good amount of stuff here. We can dig into average finish, driver rating, total speed, all the stuff and see kind of what comes out in the wash here. So Like I said, to break this one down, I'm not going to dig into any segments. We're just going to talk through some drivers here because the odds, I'm looking at this odds board and I'm not loving a lot of what I'm seeing here. Right. Because you think of Kansas, like I said, and you think of opportunity, you think of a chance for us to make some money. But the books are being smart here. They're, you know, going tit for tat with us and opening up uh hamlin is the favorite at plus 450 you think you can get him five to one on some books you know that's a little short i, I kind of was hoping to see a little bit more then especially when you go down the odds board you know you're looking at other markets like top tens it's really dismal uh and to make matters worse the head-to-head market i think is the worst uh that i've seen in a long time And i when i say worst I mean, really, really tough to find an edge, tough to just lay your money down on one side of those matchups, as we'll talk about. Uh, So that's really what has me saying, you know what, let's just talk through this a little bit. Kind of like what we do on the NASCAR Betting Preview Show truck podcast with Derek, where we just talk through drivers. So let's go to the guy who's at the top of the board to start, because Denny Hamlin, in my opinion, is somebody that you just have to have something on here. He won the race in the spring, obviously. We talked about it. He's plus 500, the best number you can see him at. So I'm saying let's run it back on Denny in some way. We'll kind of find our stride here. Last 10 races, he's got three wins, six top fives and six top tens. So three wins, obviously super impressive. But let's focus on that last thing that I said there. Six top fives, six top tens. To me, what that means is if he's on, he's on. Right. Because it's he's either top five or he's not. He's like outside the the top 15 and whatnot. So when Denny unloads fast, he's going to be a major factor. And I think the market that I'm really looking at playing him is top three. OK, because top five, like I said, the odds board not being that great. Top five for Denny is minus 140. Like, damn, dude, I can't can't get behind that uh it's just really tough to get behind that i guess because it's a cookie cutter style track you know that they're justified in that but it, it seems like a bit of a stretch even barstool who used to be our our saving grace in that market really letting us down there so they, they've actually like kind of flip-flopped and, and been now they're the bad guys so plus 160 top three gives us some wiggle room there he doesn't have to go sweeping kansas for the year He can come in second and third and still cash this bet for us at plus money. He's the only driver. So in the last three races at Kansas, he's got one win, three top fives. His average finish is 2.3. Holy shit. Two for three, finishing in the top three. He's the only driver in the sport to finish top five in all three Kansas races since the start of 2022. Just really impressive stuff there. His driver inning is 110.0. That's second to Larson. By one-tenth of a point. So really good stuff there. In the last eight comp tracks, he's second in average finish, 7.6, with four top threes and six top fives. Really good stuff. First in drive rating. And then in 2023, five comp tracks. He's got two top threes out of the five races, 11.2 average finish, second in drive rating. Uh, Just really good stuff. And he was so fast last week, starting the playoffs, really strong. I can't see a world where they don't bring it, right? So the thing that would kill this bet is what happened last week at Darlington. Something weird on pit road. Somebody else getting squirrely in front of them. But the 11 team, no doubt, is going to be strong this week, and I need a piece of them. So I think where I'm landing is plus 160 for a top three. It gives me a little wiggle room, uh, and I don't have to have them win the whole thing. So... We'll, uh, we'll take it from there because I'm just nervous, right? I think that's where I'm really landing here is I'm not calling out a lot of outrights that are short. There are too many guys that are strong this weekend. And so that, that chunk of drivers, that five to seven drivers that could easily win this race, you, you look at it Monday and say, oh yeah, that guy won? No shit. There's too many of them. So to take them that short, just... You know, makes me a little queasy, but he—he's definitely someone you really need to have on your card in some way, shape, or form. And and there's another way you could play him, and I'll make it a slight case here. And this is actually the next guy we're going to talk about. It's Martin Truex Jr. So they have him, and the fact of the head-to-head matchups being super tough. This shows it, right? We've got Truex versus Hamlin matched up against each other. That's just crazy. Hamlin's minus 120 as a a slight favorite head-to-head. And I think I'll make a case here for Hamlin over Truex. Just sticking with Kansas specifically, the last four races at Kansas, Hamlin is 4-0 head-to-head. So that to me is pretty damn intriguing. Truex had the letdown last week that we kind of assumed we, not assumed. We called it out. Now, my take on Truex this time is he's going to be somewhere, you know, in the, the 5 to 10 range, okay? And that is going to be good, but I don't think it beats Hamlin. It, Hamlin's ceiling, I think, is higher than Truex's this week. So I think when you're looking at the comp tracks, and we're going to do that here in just a second with Truex, he's strong. But this... Head-to-head situation against Hamlin, I think he's got the higher ceiling here. So I would lean Hamlin minus 120. Now let's talk about Truex because he's six to one. And when I was looking at his information, his stats, the first thing that I saw was he is nine for ten the last ten races at Kansas, finishing in the top 10. So what I was doing was like, I knew he's going to be a uh, uh, up there right on the odds board but i was just hoping to god like the top 10 number wasn't astronomical and of course it is so we'll talk about that in a second but where it really comes to you know a big deal for the sports books is looking at the last eight contracts he's first in average finish 2023 the last five contracts so far this season he's first in average finish first in drive rating so it has the book's attention the thing is kansas Hasn't been his strongest track of those comps. It's actually been his weakest. He finished eighth in the spring. And so even though he's been strong in these comp tracks at Kansas specifically, he's getting the job done for top tens. But it's harder for him to do that in you know other capacity, like calling him out for a win at Kansas. That's tough. Uh, it's tough to do. He doesn't have one in his last eight races here he he doesn't have a a win but he's got a ton of top tens i mean like i said nine for ten he's eight for eight in the last eight but only two top fives right so that's where i'm saying he's gonna finish in that like five to ten range and so i don't feel comfortable at this point taking him something other than a top 10 and what is his number for a top 10 minus 330 that's the best you can get Obviously, if you've ever listened to this podcast, we're never going to touch that. All right. That's just an absurd number. But what I will do is put that in something like the Chiefs money line. Right. On Thursday night football, they're playing the the Lions. Okay, minus two thirty there. You box those up together and then you've got minus one thirteen for a true X top ten that is something that I really enjoy. So I'm not saying, you know, definitely take the Chiefs. I'm saying take it something earlier in the week, right? So Chiefs go out, they lose. Okay, great. Uh, Whatever. I got another opportunity. Throw it with something else. Get Truex's top 10 number down to a, a, a value that makes sense with a little box up there with a parlay, and you will not be disappointed on race day on Sunday. So... That's where my mentality is with Truex for a top 10. Get him to a number that makes sense because for top five to win the race, I'm not convinced. But for a top 10, this dude can do it. He's done it consistently. So that's where we're at with with Truex there at the top of the board. Let's talk about another driver. And this one, he's going to be, you know, the bell of the ball, I think, for a lot of folks. And I'm one of them. Uh, He's 12 to 1. Opened at 13-1 to to win the race, and it's Bubba Wallace. So with Bubba, he, he's going to have a lot of attention on him. He won the race here last year. He's going to have a ton of hype from the gambling world, from the NASCAR fandom, from the media. Like He had a great finish last week, and that's really putting him in position here to try to sneak in to this top 12. And they need to bring it. This is a track that no doubt in the world they had circled. We talked about it on every show possible. We're saying, oh, yeah, Kansas, Bubba. Kansas, that's where they have a shot. Kansas, he could win the race and sneak in. Like, best case scenario for Bubba, if you're trying to predict, like, where he's going to finish in the season, he's got to win this race. So 12 to 1 for someone who did it just a year ago and has been looking pretty stout, I don't mind that at all. I mean, you know, it's a lot different than the 5-to-1 we're getting there for Hamlin. Last three races at Kansas, he has a win, two top fives and three top tens. He's three for three, finishing the top ten. 5.0 average finish in that time span is third in NASCAR. His driver rating is fifth. So, you know, he doesn't go away, though. I mean, at Kansas, right, I could see the the rebuttal saying, well, uh, it's just Kansas, right? Whatever, dude. Like, he's just had some lightning in the bottle. Not necessarily. I mean, the last eight contracts, he's got to win four top fives and five top tens. Seventh in average finish and driver rating in that time span. And then this year, he's sixth in average finish and driver rating. So he's hanging around in these areas. Now, how about a a plus 160 for a top five? That is pretty intriguing to me. I mean, he's done it two of the three times at Kansas in the last three races. He's minus 150 for a top ten. I believe that's on Caesars. That's the best number that I could see him at on any book. And so I would – I could be talked into throwing minus 150 down on Bubba for a top 10 because I think he has the ability to do it. I think he's got the speed to do it, and I think they need to do it. So it's just like a combination of too many things. The only thing that could happen here is that, you know, they – overthink it they they try too hard he's gripping the wheel too tight and something like that goes down but i think if they just run their race they play their game i think he's well within the top 10 and we're cruising uh, so minus 150 top 10 little much but uh if you you know i may find myself playing that now plus 160 top five that's a little better number for the gambler, tougher to accomplish, but he has done it. Now, head to head, this is a, a another conundrum, okay? Because they have him matched up against someone that I, I just I can't do it, I don't think. But we'll make a case for it. Chris Busher. So, and this is where just the sports books are just screwing us because coming in, everybody's thinking bubba, yep, bubba, yep. And they throw Chris Buescher up against him. Just crazy. He's the hottest driver in the sport, no doubt. It's really tough to take anybody head-to-head against Chris Buescher at this point in time. But looking at it, Bubba Wallace has the stats to do it. If you're looking at their last eight comp tracks head-to-head, Bubba's got the 5-3 to lead. And then at Kansas in the last three races, Bubba's 3-0 and against him. So it's just really... Interesting there in that Kansas, Chris Busher in the last three races, the only best finish he has is one top 15. Clearly not his best in this group of tracks that we're calling comps. So maybe this is an opportunity here for Busher to cool off, an opportunity for Bubba to continue to take him in these head to head matchups. So uh, that's one. He's minus 110 in that matchup. I. I think I'm talking myself into it here a little bit. I mean, when does Chris Busher cool off? That's the question. Uh, maybe it's a track like this where he hasn't seen uh, sustained speed and, and finishes. So we'll uh, I think might talk myself into that pick right there as we come back. We'll recap everything at the end of the podcast, and uh, we'll, we'll see if we throw that in there. Next driver, we talked a lot about a Toyota driver. and We'll be right back to Toyota in a second here, but... Let's detour, okay, because you could go with Kyle Larson. If you want somebody else, you know, you want a Chevy or something, Kyle Larson, yes, that would be someone who makes sense, but you can get a little better value here with somebody else. Kyle is at 6-1, to one, and winning that race yesterday, obviously, Kyle, you could dig into his numbers here. They're very strong, uh, strong enough to, to make a case to play him to win the race. But there's also the case to be made that maybe they're going to, you know, fool around a little bit with some setups because we do have other mile and a half left, not direct comps, but tracks like Texas tracks like Homestead, which he's very good at. So I think you could maybe see a world where they're just going to try some things out because they're locked in. This race doesn't mean shit to them. Um, maybe some playoff points here and there, but still, I think they have the opportunity to experiment. So you go down the odds board here and you land on William Byron at 750, plus 750 here. And also another number to call out is plus 115 for a top five. So this is a a little bit more bang for your buck here for a Chevy driver towards the top of the board. Last 10 races at Kansas, he has two top fives and seven top tens. Really crazy stuff there for Kansas a driver that you'd still probably consider you know a younger driver. I mean, those are really good numbers. and I know we said we weren't going to spend a ton of time talking about the last 10 races here, but um, I also want to throw this number out there, right? Because if you get rid of the two races furthest away, okay, his average finish jumps from 12 point1 to 7.9, which brings him to fourth in that time span. So clearly, he had some struggles early on in his career at this racetrack and has figured it out. I mean, really good stuff. Last three races in the next-gen car, his average finish is 8.3. That's seventh out of everyone. So just overall decent numbers. How about the last eight contracts in the next-gen car? He's got one win, three top fives, and four top tens. So a 50% hit rate there for a top ten, three for eight in the top fives. He's sixth in driver rating. And so far in 2023, his driver rating is third. Speed rating, third on these comp tracks. So spring last year, I just want to mention this, okay? He very well could have won that race. They had a late restart, and he did not get the push that he needed from the driver behind him. I believe it was Martin Truex Jr. Meanwhile, Larson and Denny were on the outside, and they got a good restart, but Byron, starting on the inside, didn't get it. But if he gets that push... He's a factor late in that race. And, you know, he did get a good finish. So this is a sneaky Chevy at plus seven fifty, right? We cashed Denny at plus eight fifty, kind of a similar number here. So the the strong odds on favorite doesn't necessarily have to win. You could get him in, in this area of the odds board. And so if you're looking for a Chevy, I like William Byron this week. He's got speed, he's got the talent, and you know, shoot for the moon. You end up in the stars. Well, we'll do that same thing, a top five at plus 115, where these markets are tough to get plus numbers on good drivers. I think plus 115 for a top five for William Byron is legit. And um, if Toyota does kind of take over a bit, then we give him that buffer there and still have a top five and plus money. So Byron, someone that we want to be talking about this week. Now, I keep talking about Toyota's and we're going to continue to do so here for, for just a second because the prop of manufacturer to win the race, plus 110, that's on DraftKings on a Tuesday night. I'm seeing that at plus 100, plus 105 at other tracks. When practice and qualifying happens, I think you may see that at minus money for Toyota because they are just so strong here. Uh, I could see any of their drivers winning this race, five of their six drivers are in the playoffs. So that's really important to remember here, and all of them are legit threats. Five drivers are twelve to one or shorter. We mentioned Bubba being that twelve to one driver. And that's why I called him out, you know, to take that in, in case he hits. But everybody else, you know, much shorter, right? Denny Truex, Seabell. Um, you know, those guys are going to be shorter numbers here. Redick. So there are reasons. Reddick and, and Chris Bell, you know, they're 10 to 1, I believe. There are reasons why you wouldn't want to take those guys, right? I think Bubba's stats are, are stronger than both those guys, and he's uh, longer odds. So that's why I like this all encompassing plus 110 for the whole camp. Uh, it's just kind of a blanket. Whatever happens, happens. Somebody new in the camp steps up like it's been kind of a wonky, right? We've seen Kurt Bush win. We saw Bubba Wallace win kind of out of nowhere, but not really. So plus one ten just to cover all your bases here for Toyota. They've got five of the top ten win the race dot info pre qualifying ranks. Um, so that's important. So, I mean, yeah, they're good here. Uh, what more can I say now? I've been talking a lot about the top five guys in that camp. Let me throw something else at you, okay? This is a bit of a longer shot. How about top 10 for Ty Gibbs at plus 160? He has been very consistent at qualifying on these comp tracks since he came into the Cup Series last year. So looking back... In the last eight races, I think he's ran five or six of them, and his average starting position on these comps is 10.0. He started seventh in the spring race at Kansas. Uh, So, again, this manufacturer is very strong here. He ran up in the top 10 for a good portion of the race. 87% of his laps were run in the top 15. He had a loose wheel on pit road and then ended up backing up, so he didn't get his crew chief suspended, uh, not leaving pit road. And that pretty much ended his shot at a good finish that day. Ends up, I believe, getting into it with someone. Uh, So really did not have a a good finish at the end. But the point remains, strong race overall. I mean, even with that hiccup and and bad finishes, driver rating was like 88-something. So I think plus 160. You're getting plus 160 value at a top ten market for a Toyota driver, someone who was strong, had a, a really good run last time in the spring. I don't hate this. I, I really don't. So Gibbs plus one sixty will will finish off the Toyota party here on this podcast. All right. So let's move on to somebody else. And we're gonna stick with the top ten market because I, I really hate everything with the head to heads. And we kind of talked about reasons for and against the outrights early in the week. I'll just say we'll reserve the right to throw in some more outrights, you know, on Saturday after we see practice qualifying. But for now, let's stick with some top tens here because I got somebody that kind of surprised me. It's Ryan Blaney, top ten at plus one ten. All right. He's just hanging around. He's that Beetlejuice from Howard Stern. Do you ever see that meme on uh TikTok or Instagram? You know me, just Hanging around. (laughs) He's hanging around. And I say that because it feels like we've been talking, you know, about Blaney being down. And it is just a a situation where they're just sticking in there. Started fourth last week. A surprising ninth place finish at Darlington where he was kind of projected to finish outside the top ten, outside the top fifteen. No one was really on him in any shape or form. And so pretty good. He's 16 points to the good. He had such a strong, I guess, first quarter of the season or, or, you know, maybe first 30%. And then things started to go the other way. I mean, there was a good portion of the schedule where he was leading the points. Uh, But it's kind of been a little bit rougher go for Blaney recently. And now it's time to, you know, put up or shut up. And he really needs to shut some haters up when we talk about his finishing spots in the playoffs because, His best finish in this playoff system is 7th, and I think that's got to rub him the wrong way. So, plus 16 to the good. And looking at the metrics, he's showing up within the top 10 of all of this stuff that I'm calling out here. So, let's get into it. last three races of Kansas, he's got one top 10, two top 15s, excuse me, and he's 3 for 3 for top 20s. His average finish is 12.3. That's ninth. His drive rating, 10th. His last... Eight comp tracks since 2022 is 10th in driver rating. The last five comps this year, so 2023, he's eighth in average finish and fifth in driver rating, sixth in total speed this year on these comp tracks. So the situation here that we have is a driver who has all of those numbers, right? Within, up against the other guys that he's facing, the aggregate view of all of those stats, he's well within the top 10 and we have a situation where the top 10 market the odds are for the most part trash and you're getting him at plus 110 so you've got a driver who's showing up there to me i'm good i'll, I'll take that i think that ford isn't really going to have much of a showing at kansas but blaney has shown that he can be a driver that can be in that top 10 so I'll take him at plus 110, and we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? He needs to hang around again uh, to put himself into that next round and then take over. So we'll see. But Blaney top 10, I think that's a good price for a a really good playoff driver. Now, let's talk about an absolute moonshot, okay? Okay. Talked about a lot of Toyota drivers. Talked about some of the you know usual suspects, I guess, Byron and Blaney. Let's talk about a crazy shot in the dark, but there's a method to the madness here. 7 to 1, plus 700 to finish in the top 10 for Austin Dillon. Last three races at Kansas, he's got one top 10 and three top 15s. His average finish is 12.3. In the springtime, before you just, you know, throw me out the window here, in the spring, he finished 10th. He finished 10th. So he did it. And now coming back around, he's 7-1. to one. Get out of here. Last five comp tracks this season, right? We're not talking about stuff from the past where Dylan arguably has had better years. We're talking about 2023 on these comp tracks. He's 3-5, for five, finishing in the top 10. 14.8 average finish. That puts him 13th on the board, right behind the likes of Kyle Larson and Brad Kozlowski. The last eight comp tracks, the direct comps, right? Vegas, Michigan, and Kansas. Since 2022, he's 10th in average finish. So what I'm trying to say here is, seven to is, 7-1, you're in the ballpark from what the stats say. You're in the ballpark. Last week, Dylan... Kind of surprised me a little bit. I mean, he had some fight in him, started like garbage. He fought a little bit. Uh, didn't finish all that well, I think, but I think I remember saying to myself, damn, like where did he come from? I kind of wrote him off. Um, ends up fading out, you know, really wasn't focused on him. and didn't have him in any certain way, but the fact remains like seven to one is outrageous for a driver who did it already this year and has done it three out of five times on these comp tracks. So, you know, that's where we're going to go with that one. And uh, hopefully we, we have a little fun. That's a, just a sprinkle. And then if he does poke his head up there, you're like, oh, shit, here we go. Now I got something really to cheer for that I wasn't expecting. So moonshot there on the three car. So, like I said, no real head-to-head matchups that I'm into. Uh, I think Busher versus Bubba. I'm, I'm leaning Bubba and I'm leaning Hamlin over Truex for the reasons that we called out earlier. But other than that, the matchups, there's not a lot of them. And they're not great. There's no good advantage for you as the gambler. So the one thing that I called out is a new bet that I haven't seen ever. Caesars is usually the book that I go to when I'm like, okay, you know, I see what Barstool has. I see what DraftKings has as far as the head-to-head market. But Caesars always has different matchups and they always have a bunch of them. Okay, and this week I click on them and it says September 9th, 12 p.m., qualifying matchups. What is this? I send it out to the group chat on Twitter. Some of the guys out there were like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like, is anybody else seeing this? And, And yeah, according to. Uh, the the fellows in the chat like everybody's seeing the same thing. It's qualifying matchups, which is crazy to introduce like out of nowhere, like for no reason. I I don't think they had this last week to start the playoffs. Like it's not like there was some milestone where like Caesar Sportsbook was like, okay, to start the playoffs, we're gonna have qualifying matchups. Like no, this is just out of the blue. So let's dig into it a little bit. I mean, looking into it, I, I thought there's an opportunity for two of these bets uh the first one tyler reddick minus 130 over kyle bush the thing that gets your attention here is the last three races at kansas okay tyler reddick's average starting position is 2.7 in the three races wild kyle bush is 14.0 so there's a huge discrepancy when you're just talking about kansas now uh Kyle has definitely had the better of Redick on the other contracts in 2023, except for Kansas. So for whatever reason, Reddick has him beat at this track. So I love the fact, I mean, that number 2.7 average finish in three races, like that's by far the best in NASCAR. So I'll rock with the guy who's good at this track very specifically in this matchup. Uh, because of how good he has been. So maybe it's just, you know, he loves what this track is cooking, and and we'll get into it there. And Bush, you know, 14.0, that's not light the world on fire. So minus 130 in a qualifying matchup there, we'll see what they got. Then the other thing that I found, and this was really for the plus money aspect of it, Christopher Bell who I really looked hard at. He was 9-1, to 10-1 to win the race. I was trying to find reasons to like Chris Bell, and he was somebody kind of like Truex last weekend where he just hasn't had the finishes, so I can't really get all in on him on an outright bet or something like that. Uh, starting positions, though, had my attention, and the fact that we got... The qualifying matchups is like, well, how can we make some money on Bell? He's going head-to-head versus William Byron, and he's plus 105. This is a really close matchup, okay? according to the stats. But Bell has him beat with a slight edge on everything. So Christopher Bell, the last three races at Kansas, average starting position is 5.5. That's third in NASCAR. You compare that to 7.7 for Byron. The last eight comp tracks, the direct comp since 2022, his first in average starting position, 4.8, including three polls. Byron is double that, essentially, 8.6. Then in 2023, Bell's average starting position is second out of everyone, 6.6, and Byron is 8.6. So again, slight edge, right? It's not like mind-blowing. It's not 2.7 to 14.0 like we saw a second ago, but you're getting plus money for this guy? Like, what? What? That's very strange. They both have two poles this year. So there really isn't an edge for Redick. I don't understand why he's the favorite in that qualifying matchup. So, hey, give me plus 105 and let's fucking go. We'll see what happens with Chris Bell. See if he can get off to a good start this weekend and have himself a, a good Saturday. So plus 105 there over Byron. Minus 130 for Redick in the head-to-head qualifying matchups on Caesars. Now, the other thing that I'll call out, I'm hoping to see more head to head matchups from some of these books, especially Caesars. I mean, we can expect to see once qualifying is out of the way, we can expect to see a a whole new slate of head to head matchups. And I'm hoping to see a couple of them because I'm always big on dates, right? When you have dates, it's kind of like playing the lottery. Well, it's my anniversary this week. Nine years, married to my wife, and got married on September 6th. So we have the opportunity to play a nine-car and a six-car parlay. You goddamn better believe I'm going to do that. And on Bet365, we see Elliott versus Bowman. I'll take that. We've got Kozlowski versus Harvick. We'll take that um, if I have the opportunity. Bet365, not available in PA. But uh, I'm hoping to see matchups like that this weekend. So the 9-6 parlay, if I can get it, you better believe you're going to see me post that on Instagram on Sunday morning. So that's kind of it from the Kansas, the Hollywood Casino 400 betting angle here. Let's take a, a swing back through of what we're calling out here. So we like Hamlin top three plus 160 versus Truex. Over Truex in a head-to-head minus 120. Then we like Truex for a top 10, but you better parlay that with something different. Something early in the week in case it misses. You can kind of re-up and reload. Uh, Byron for plus 750. Sprinkle on the victory, but plus 115 top 5. Give him an opportunity there to, to screw up a bit. Toyota plus 110 on DraftKings. Gibbs plus 160 for a top 10. We got Blaney plus 110 for the top 10 moonshot, Austin Dillon, seven to one for a top 10. And then those two qualifying matchups, Reddick over Bush and Bell over Byron. So then last thing I mentioned last week, the books sometimes offer top four, or the, the championship four odds out there. And we have that right now available on Caesars. And obviously the guys who, you know, looking like somebody like Larson and, and Truex, the guys who are the, the heavy favorites coming into the playoffs are at numbers to make the championship four that you want nothing to do with. But let's talk about some of these guys who are a little bit longer odds. So we've got uh, Chris Bell, 3-1 to one, to make the Final Four. I mean, that's kind of interesting to me. He obviously ran into some trouble last week. He's going to have to dig and really do well. But Chris Bell is somebody that I have a championship ticket on um, that I just kind of found. Uh, I think we probably talked about him in the season preview and was looking through my futures and saw that in there. So I'm really cheering for Chris Bell, but I, I think that plus 300 to make the championship four isn't too shabby. Like I, I really have a lot of faith in Chris Bell to kind of dig his way out of, of what he's found himself in here as I'm pulling up the, Point standings as we talk right now, but looking at some of these other guys, we've got Tyler Reddick, who you know we talked with Derek earlier in the week. He thinks uh, Reddick's going to go on a run here in a bit, so he's plus three twenty-five. Ryan Blaney plus three fifty. I think that would be uh, I would like if Blaney was a little bit longer, I would probably take a swing at him, but uh, he's you know a little nerve wracking to have it that short of number. And then we've got Logano four to one. Part of me wants to say Logano just knows how to turn it on at the right time. But the other side of me is like, man, he really hasn't shown me much. And he's only three points to the good right now. So that's a little scary. We've got Ross Chastain plus 450. Can he do it again? He needed the hail melon to do it last year. And this year, I don't know. He, he was hot. It was like a of two halves of the season for Chastain. And until he shows any signs of life, I mean, I guess, could you consider last week signs of life? Finished fifth. Did not unload well, though. Had to fight for that fifth. So I need him to be fast. And this is a track where he's been fast. So this is a good barometer temperature check here. He's 13 points to the good to make the next round. Um, plus 450? It's a little interesting. I, I could get behind that. Brad, he's plus 425. And I I think if one of the RFK drivers is going to do it, it's going to be Chris Buescher. So I, I can't really see myself laying that number for Brad Kozlowski, who is currently 18 points to the good to make the round of 12. Busher's plus 250, and I think that's a hot topic. I mean, can he be stopped? Can anyone stop him? And when I say anyone, I guess the, the question is, is there a track that's going to stop him? I mentioned earlier about how Bubba over Busher makes sense on paper, and. Busher hasn't necessarily been great or hasn't shown too much at Kansas. If he goes out and he puts together another top five, another great starting spot, I mean, what can he do, right? So, Busher plus 250, if he continues to do that, I don't see that number being there for very long. And then the other guy that started the season hot, kind of been, you know, where you've been lately is Kyle Busch. He's the other guy who's plus money. He's plus 125 to finish in the top four or the the championship four race at Phoenix. And Bush is a guy that, you know, he's plus money right now. But if he were to win a race and his races haven't really been like predictable, I don't think he's going to win this race uh, at Kansas. But, you know, when he snags a win or if he snags a win, that number is going to shoot down like crazy. Like we go to Bristol next week, like anxious to see what he can bring at Bristol. Um, you know, he's very much more safe plus 20 to the good there not totally safe right any accident any dead last you know 30 plus finish takes all of these guys from their cushy spot to the the cut line but um, yeah i mean it's it's interesting and we're kind of counting out guys like Stenhouse and McDowell who you know I, I think Stenhouse 4 points back He's going to need a lot. He's going to need some some miracle at Bristol. Um, but the other guy we didn't mention was Harvick. Um, five to one. That wily veteran. I don't think next round really shakes out too great for him. If he doesn't perform well at Texas, like he has a bad race, then I think he's cooked. But he's two points back right now. He's five to one. If he can put himself in a good position now. Some other guys have trouble. That five to one number is not going to be there. He has that veteran ability to just do things when it kind of defies logic. uh, Even when our uh, Haas racing is, is dog shit. So five to one, I I don't know. Maybe I'm just drinking the juice or I'm getting sentimental on Harvick going away next year. But five to one is something that I could maybe sprinkle a little something on um, maybe Friday night after a few beers. So, That's the talk about where the cut line is and where those championship four numbers are at the moment. And um, we'll see what happens and how they differ next week. We'll we'll keep tabs on that. So uh, that is going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for hanging with me, for listening to this episode. Get those bets in here for this race two of the round of 16. And remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next week for Bristol, baby. The Night Race, coming at you in a week.